The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, you're having a good day? It's exciting. Hey, I'm tired. Thank, uh, last night's women's dinner was incredible. Ladies, you look beautiful. It was an awesome time in this room. And I want to thank all the men who served, and thank you for helping us transform this back into the worship center that we needed today. And I think we've got all the glitter off the floor. If it, I'm not a fan of glitter, by the way. And last night, touching all these glittery ornaments, I'm just like, how is this ever coming off? Um, we'll, we'll be finding glitter at Easter. But... Um, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for a great night. It was incredible. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, uh, like uh, Adam said, if you wouldn't mind filling out one of those guest cards and putting it in the giving station on your way out, we just want to get some information to you about who we are and help you in that search for a church and uh, help you understand more about who we are and what we're all about. Um, now, I need, to, um, I need to be kind of shepherd, pastor, father for a minute, and I need to handle some church business. Um, in light of this week's events. I know we've all been watching the news and we've seen uh, the horrific events that have gone on in California and Georgia, and uh, that raises questions about safety when we gather and safety, especially in churches. I get a lot of questions about that. Um, So you understand uh, we do live in a world that evil exists and God is still on the throne and God is still in control. And so we submit to that, and we honor that, we respect that. He's also called us to be diligent in how we do things around us. And so uh, I just want to let you guys know that uh, we have a group uh, called Sheepdog, and these guys are trained. They are licensed through the state of Texas for uh, personal protection, security guard work, and they are qualified. The ongoing training, uh, is there's about 150 hours of training that they have Already, and they continue to go through training and processes, and they train for all types of scenarios. I, I do want to say that if we pray that nothing ever happens on our campus, but if it does, these people are trained to step in and take care of business. So, uh, if something were to ever happen, here's what I want you to know that there are people that are trained that will enact. Uh, immediately, um, get, and if, if something were to happen, I'm just going to get real and practical for a minute. If something were to happen, get, get low, get on the floor, and know this. There's two things that our sheepdogs do. They're going to find the problem, and they're also going to get back and make sure our kids are safe. That is why we hired them. That is why we train with them. That is why we, we have them on our facility. Um, that's why we do all of this. Um, because that's the reality of the world we live in. And so um, I do want to invite you um, to, we're having a church safety meeting on January 3rd at 1230. Um, It'll be in the Creek Kids room. And here's what I'm asking. If you're interested in the church safety plan, um, you're invited to that meeting. If you are a CHL carrier, um, we invite you to that meeting. If you don't know what a CHL is, don't worry about it. You live in Texas, I'm sure you understand exactly what that's about. But we would just like to talk to you about how our plan works um, so that we don't have any issues internally um, with, if, in case of, of something 
going down. So uh, thanks for letting me cover that. I'm sorry that's not really the bright up, cheery, uh, Merry Christmas type thing, but um, that's the reality. And I want you to know that we take the safety and security of our church very seriously. We take the safety and security of our children very seriously. Those are issues that we will not compromise on. I'm sorry. It does put hoops in the way. And yes, the stickers and the check-in and all this and, and who can go down that hallway. But let me tell you something. I would much rather have our kids safe and you parents jump through hoops than have our kids be in a vulnerable situation. That's just the way I operate. So, um, But now let me talk some happy stuff. Uh, well, this one's not real happy because this is first service. The second service really doesn't like you guys. I'm just, been, okay, you just need to hug them on your way out because for the last two or three weeks, you have taken all of the Northbrook kids. Well, not the kids, the, the packets. So the, the second service, I mean, they're fixing to come in here and, and there's going to be something going down in the lobby, like beat it. You know, they're going to be coming in like, get your hands off my kids, you know. But Northbrook, thank you. I, I'm sorry. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'm, I was up here serving women's. Um, but we, we, have, we have a few more kids packets out there. So if you still want to get involved with that, I think they are going to hide some for the second service so they don't beat up whoever's at the table today. Um, but we are going to be doing that on uh, December 16th is the day we deliver. If you have never been a part of this, let me encourage you. It, I, I, it doesn't even matter if you bought any gifts. Come and be a part of that on the 16th. It is an incredible, incredible blessing to see what, what you do, what your work in the community does to give hope to families. So that's just something that, that is incredible. I uh, also want going to introduce somebody to come up and give an update on our um, some mission stuff and something new that we've started. And uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to steal any thunder. Um, I'm going to introduce you to a, a lovely young lady named Suzette, and she's going to come up here and talk to, about, talk to you about an organization we've just started working with called African New Life. Heather, would you hand me that microphone, and I'll give it over to Miss Suzette. Good morning. I warmed them up for you. Thank you. So. Good morning. Oh, well, thank you. Well, it's exciting because one of the reasons I actually was drawn to this church was because of the heart and ministry for people. I mean, that's just an illustration what, what Matt was just talking about. And um, another partnership that we're involved with now is called African New Life Ministries. And yes, it's in Africa. And um, so it's really cool, though, because this we're getting on board right at the get-go with this um, project. And basically, we are partnering with a brand new church in the slums of Kigali, Rwanda. Now, this organization has a lot going on underneath it. We are just doing one of the many things that they do. They do child sponsorship. They do church planting, which we're going to be a part of. But also, they have um, a women's sewing program, a salon. And these are for women who are survivors of the genocide. And if any of you know about the 1994 genocide of Rwanda, a million people, almost a million people, were slaughtered in less than 90 days. So the devastation there is very heavy. But we are excited to be partnering with this new church. And we just want to show you a quick little video of what we're doing in that community. Uh, my name is Francis. By God's grace, 
God called me to do this ministry in, in Gatenga community. Uh, it is amazing how God called us to go to this very community that has been in bondage for so long. And we thank God for a lot that is happening in this community. Many people are coming to us, people that are so tired, they come to us and ask us to please pray with us. We want to have that peace that uh, the Lord Jesus is giving to people. <laughs> God is giving us a message of hope and grace to these people and we started small in my uh, in my house which is really becoming uh, smaller now because of the overflow actually we are praying that you just very soon we'll be moving will be God will provide to us a big auditorium that will be enough to accommodate us. We really call you brothers and sisters to join us in this journey. Uh, we are walking a walk of faith and we really call you brothers and sisters to join us, to pray with us uh, that uh, God will do more miracles to transform and to change lives uh, in this community. Thank you so much to love us. Thank you so much to join us, to stand with us. May the Lord God continue to bless you one time we shall meet in this community or we meet in heaven. We trust God for more and more miracles in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you. It's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg because I got an update today, actually, that they have been able, thanks to the creek, have been able to move out of the house. And they this today, Sunday, they are in a church. So they're in a new building. So we want to thank you guys for that and your faithfulness. But I also just want to give you a little backdrop on this whole situation here because I think it's really important to understand who these people are and just how big this is. First of all, there's no church in that area that is um, really soundly uh, teaching the word of God. And so this is a big deal for this community, not to mention that this community is highly affected uh, with alcoholism, drug addiction, prostitution. Um, it is uh, an area that has been highly devastated from the effects of the genocide of 1994. Now, these children, that young man that you saw up there giving his testimony, when I saw him saying his testimony, I was thinking, dang it. He, I wish he had more time to really tell the whole testimony because that was just like, I was hanging out with some bad guys. And it's like, please, we all hang out with bad guys. So it's like, that is not the gist of his story. That guy was in the worst prison in the country. He has committed all the crimes you can think of and um, recently gave his life to Christ um, through our partnership and, and through our relationship with him. And because of that, and because he is so well-known in his community, and everybody knows him, he has four siblings, and those four siblings also have come to Christ. Now, they're the same thing. They are prostitutes, former prostitutes, murderers, uh, um, addictions. All of that is in that family, and that whole family. All those siblings of five have come to Jesus. And because of that, and because of the partnership with Gatanga Church, with the creek, 
all these people are coming to Jesus because they're looking at this family of five and going, what is happening to them? What is going on with them? I mean, they used to be this and that and this, and then look at them now. That is what's happening in this community. And so we just want you guys to be informed of what the creek is doing and how big this is. And we also want you, I want to challenge you to start praying. Pray for this church. When you're thinking about Africa, when you're thinking about, pray for the pastor there. But also, I want you to start praying, is God calling you to go with us on a trip to Africa? Because they are excited about meeting us. And they are excited about our partnership. And we're like family to them. That's what it's like. In Africa, it's all about relationships, even more than any other country I've been to personally. And they want to see your faces. And I want you to start praying, are you called to go to Africa with us? Because we will be taking a trip in the near future. So thank you very much. If you don't know Suzette, find her in the lobby. Get to know her. Um, she has an incredible heart for people, incredible heart for missions, and I'm excited to be a part of this. Um, what you didn't see, the house, the first Sunday they started church, he put out 40 chairs, not knowing what to expect, and 150 people showed up. Um, so uh, it's awesome that God is, is moving in Fort Worth, and God is moving in, in Africa, he's moving in Canada, he's moving in South America. It's awesome. I love the move of God. Um, there was one theologian that said, if you're not sure what to do for the kingdom, find where God is working and get on board. And let me tell you something. We found where God is working and we're going to get on board, okay? Uh, we've already started giving monetarily to them and then in 2017, we're taking a trip uh, to Africa. So um, start putting back some money now. I mean, drop some extra money in the couch and whatever, whatever you got to do. Um, <clears throat> it's awesome. So uh, uh, let's, let's, go, let's go into our teaching here. So uh, if you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. Write your name in it. We want you to have that. We want you to have access to the Word of God um, because I believe that the Word of God is more transformational than my words. And so I want you to have that in front of you. And uh, that's the beauty of the power of, of the Word of God. It changes hearts and lives here, changes hearts and lives on the other side of the world, and it has changed hearts and lives since Christ walked out of that tomb. And I'm excited about the Word of God. So uh, we're, we're in our Advent series. So last week was kind of the, the prophet's candle, and it was all about looking ahead. And, and Pastor Trinity did a great job talking about justice, because honestly, that's what a lot of us look forward to in Jesus. We're like, we want justice. We want things made right. And, uh, and he really challenged us to really find ourselves in the gospel story, not in the justice of God, but in the righteousness of God. And so this week, um, you heard Adam talk about the Magi candle. It's the preparation candle. So it's about uh, preparing our heart, our life for the coming of Christ. And uh, so we've got... Uh, the wise men, the magi, the wise men, you've heard the we three kings of Orient are. I, I kind of threw a curveball at Adam this week. I was like, hey, you know what would be cool? Instead of doing, oh, come all you faithful, we ought to do that. We three kings. And he's like, no. I mean, I hired him to be the creative pastor, so I've got to let him be the creative pastor, even when my ideas probably are better. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, it was the, the oh, come all you faithful was perfect. It was awesome. And I loved it. I'm so grateful for that. But the, we, we think of this Christmas nativity with the wise men, um, or I used to call them the wise guys. 
And uh, I was trying to think about, okay, what do you name this, this teaching today as we do a teaching about the, the wise men? And honestly, the best title I've ever heard is Wise Men Still Seek Him, but I can't copy that. Um, so I talked about learning from the wise, and, the, and I started thinking about my grandfather um, with this comment, learning from the wise, because I will never forget, he asked me one time the difference between smart and stupid. And, you know, I just looked at him and he goes, you know what stupid is. And, and this was before Forrest Gump. If, if it would have been after Forrest Gump, I would have said, stupid is, stupid does, sir. But I didn't have Forrest Gump to go off of. But I said, no, sir. And he said, stupid is when you make a mistake and don't learn from it. And he says, do you know what smart is? And, no, sir. He said, smart is when you make a mistake and you learn from it. I said, okay. He goes, do you know what wisdom is? No, I don't know what wisdom is. Wisdom is when someone else makes a mistake and you learn from it. So we have wisdom. We are surrounded by wisdom. We have the opportunity to get wisdom. Uh, God said in his word and James says, if any of you lack wisdom, all you have to do is ask. And so we're going to look at some wise men this morning and what they bring to Jesus. And, and Adam read the story for you. I'm going to read it again. This is Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Um, this is the story of the three wise men, the magi. Um, now, I want you to understand something. Uh, the manger scene that we put together, remember we talked about truth always trumps tradition. Now, if you're going to do your manger scene according to truth, the wise men would not have been at the manger scene. It says that, if you notice that, it says that when they got to the place, they went into the house. Where was Jesus born? He was born in a stable in Bethlehem. So could you imagine like, like Mary giving, I just think of the, the organizational skills of women. Like Mary is about to give birth to the, the son of God and she's like trying not to push, you know, and she's doing, Joseph's like, come on, breathe. You know, and Joseph's over there freaking out and she's like, Wait. No, we have to have the wise men here. Like, where are they? They're on the way. They're stuck in traffic or something. I don't know. So the manger scene, just so the, the wise men were not there at the manger scene. And uh, we, we also, I'm, I'm just going to destroy some of your traditions, I hope. Um, but not, hope not. Um, I hope to give you truth. Uh, but we don't know that there were three wise men. Um, we know there were three gifts, 
but we don't know if there were just three wise men. But here's a couple of things. As we study this passage, as we study the truth about this scene, there's some things we can draw from the truth of Scripture. There's three gifts. We know that the wise men came and worshiped, and we, here's another thing we see. We see three attitudes towards Jesus that exist in this passage of Scripture. And, and, and I believe these attitudes aren't just something that we find in, in first century. It's attitudes we find today. And so I want to kind of look at this advent and the birth and the coming of Jesus and really challenge you with what is your attitude towards Jesus. And we're going to find ourselves wrapped up in one of these. The first one is hostility. This hostility you've got is King Herod. Now, King Herod, we we read that and he, he says to the wise men, he goes, hey, when you find out where he is, come and let me know so that I too may go and worship him. And so you think, oh, the king is gonna bow down and worship him. But that passage closes out with, and being warned in a dream about Herod, the wise men, because they're wise, right? Um, They go a different way. They go home a different way. So let me give you some background on King Herod. He was placed in power under the influence of the Roman Senate under Mark Anthony. He he killed some of his own children to protect his throne. He was very power hungry. He was greedy. He was vicious. He hated the Jews and he named himself the king of the Jews. So when the wise men show up and go, we're here to see this Jesus who was born king of the Jews, it automatically throws a threat in Herod's face. Now, let me give you some background on why Herod hated the Jews. Herod is a descendant of Esau. He's an Edomite. If you remember in the Old Testament, the great battle between Jacob and Esau, the blessing went to Jacob. Okay, generations had been dealing with this brokenness. And King Herod finds himself in a situation where his throne is threatened He's threatened by Jesus. See, Herod didn't know the word of God. If he'd only spent any time knowing the word of God, he would have understand that Jesus is not a threat to his power unless he's prideful. And so we start to see Herod's, I'm giving you an idea into the glimpse of why Herod's this way and, and where this hostility is coming from because um, I mean, when, you, when you think about it, later the next passage talks about Herod finding all the male children two years and under in Bethlehem in the region and killing them. He was so threatened by Jesus that he went to an extreme measure to ensure his place on the throne. He even took out some of his own kids, some of his own family, so that his throne wouldn't be threatened. See, I... Herod's hostility came because he wasn't willing to give up his throne or his power to anyone. What, what about you? I mean, I, I know the hardest thing in my life is to get off the throne in my life. Like, I, I want to be king and I want to be in control, but our hostility can come from different wells. Not every one of us is going to say me too to King Herod and go, you know what? Yeah, I'm prideful and I don't want Jesus on the throne in my life. Some of our hostility comes from disappointment with God. Maybe that, maybe that hostility comes because you have prayed and prayed and prayed and God did not answer in the way that you had prayed for. 
And if you've got kids, you understand this hostility. I mean, I, I, was, I was remembering this the other day. I used to do this to my parents. I would ask and ask and ask, and I would not get my way, and I would pout, and I would do this. I'm never speaking to you again. I know you've done that. I'm not the only one that's, that's that crazy. We're all crazy. I'm never speaking to you again. And we kind of have this passive-aggressive form of hostility towards our parents. We have this passive-aggressive form of hostility towards God because we didn't get our way. That maybe the, the relationship didn't survive whatever rock you hit. Maybe the diagnosis that you've been praying against and praying against and praying against eventually took the one that you were praying for. See, hostility is going to come from different areas. But let, let, me, let me challenge you with this. God is big enough to handle that. But here's what it takes. It takes us humbling ourselves and saying, God, I'm sorry. You see, this attitude of hostility towards God will never allow us to worship Jesus. If we spend our life blaming God and not getting our way and pouting, we're never gonna humble ourselves and worship him. If we're continuing to sit on the throne in our life and not get out of the way and let God be God and let God be in control and submit and surrender ourselves to him, we'll never worship him. Now, one day we will bow down to him because he says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. King Herod had to bow down in front of Jesus and say, you are king and you are Lord. So there's hostility. The next one is indifference. The indifference is kind of modeled in this by the scribes. You don't really get a lot of insight into them, but King Herod didn't know the word of God, so he turned to his chief priests and his scribes, and he's like, what are they talking about? What are these wise men talking about? They go, oh yeah, this is a prophecy. They were quoting Micah 5 too when they, when they were telling him that uh, Bethlehem into you uh, in the land of Judea, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, and from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, King Herod didn't know it, the scribes knew it, but the scribes did nothing about it. Is this attitude of indifference towards the scripture and towards the word of God. Um, I think this is probably the most dangerous disposition to be in. If you call me and like want to meet, I would much rather you be hostile towards God so we can work through that instead of you being indifferent. Because indifference means I know the truth, but I'm unwilling to submit to the truth. The, the idea of, of this hostility is I've heard the truth and I know what the word of God says, but I don't like the way that it rubs my lifestyle, so I'm not changing anything. That is a dangerous place to be. Let me ask you this question. I put it on your sheet so you can answer this. You don't have to answer this today. Spend some time this afternoon. On a scale of one to 10, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Like one is like, I, you know what, meh, no, whatever. I show up to church a couple times a year. The wife drags me. Nah, I could take it or leave it. 
10 is like, I'm, I am passionate, I am on fire, I am ready to go. When Suzette mentioned Africa, you're just like, hey, I'm going, I'm going today. I mean, you think about it. How, what is your level of relationship with Jesus? This is a good test to do if you're married with your spouse. Where are you in your love with your spouse? But where are you in your love with Jesus? Would you say you're six, a five? If, if you're not a one, so you're not cold, and you're not a 10, so you're not hot, you're somewhere in the middle, and that's a dangerous place to be because Jesus said, I will spit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. It's a dangerous place to be when we're indifferent towards the things of God. Let me read to you what indifference does to us. This is Second uh, Peter chapter two. You can write down Second Peter two. It's on the screen. And you can go back and read this. Start in verse twenty. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so they've heard the gospel and they've they've been set free from the things of the world, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This attitude of indifference will lead us, it will worship. See, an attitude of indifference leads us to worship, but it's going to be hypocritical worship, and eventually we'll turn away because it doesn't satisfy. What do I mean by hypocritical worship? Um, I'm going to find things to like get it going. So like, um, if I'm indifferent towards the things of God, when it's moving my way, I'm going to I'm on board. But when it's not moving my way, no, I'm just kind of I'm kind of holding back. And eventually that doesn't do anything because the reality is when we worship in this way, we're never in the presence of God. Or if the presence of God is around us, we're too cynical to be embraced by it. The third attitude is worship. This one's exhibited by the wise men. Now, who are the wise men? You see them as magi. Um, magi were scientists or educated men who would study astronomy or astrology. Now, this isn't the Bible saying it's okay to do astronomy and astrology. But these men would, would be coming from the east. It's believed Persia because the study of the stars and navigation and all of the things in the, in the, in the, the, the stars, all the things in the, I'm trying to think of the word, the universe was intriguing to them, so they spent a lot of time studying these. They were very smart. They were educated. They were Gentiles. They were not Jews. It's believed that they were either kings or of some lineage of royalty because for them to prepare for the coming of Christ meant an incredible road trip. Now, to go from, it's, like I said, believed Persia to Bethlehem would have been a dangerous journey. So it wouldn't be three, I mean, you see the, the, video, the movies like the three wise men set out walking or they just out riding their camels one day and go, hey, let's follow that star, see where it goes. Um, they had studied, they knew the prophecies. It's believed that, that Daniel had been the one that taught them the prophecies about the coming of Christ. Even Daniel spoke about the coming of Jesus. 
and they would have heard this and known this and understood this and been able to watch for these things and discern these signs and then say, it's time, let's go. We want to worship this king. And so they prepare an entire caravan, an entourage. To make this journey, they would have had to have a small army to protect them from the threats that existed on the way. They would have had to brought enough food to handle the trip. They would have brought servants. They would have had, so it wouldn't be three men on a camel riding across the desert. This would have been a caravan and it would have been an entourage large enough that when it rolled into Bethlehem, it got Herod's attention. So they would have had extreme preparation in this trip. So it's not just like, let's, let's show up to church and see what happens. There was a preparation involved with what was going to happen because they knew something was going to happen. So they begin to make this, this journey. And they come in, and they come in ready to worship, and they lay their gifts before Jesus. They walk into the house, and the gifts that they gave were gold. And I, the, each of these gifts has a specific meaning. The gold was for the king. It showed the kingship of Jesus that he was the king of kings, lord of lords. The frankincense was for his priesthood. That they recognized through the prophecy that not only is he a king, he is a priest. We see in, in Hebrews that Jesus is the chief priest. So they give him frankincense. And the myrrh, they were crowning him as Messiah. The myrrh was what was, we would be anointed with in his death, that they knew that he was born to die. And so they laid all of these gifts in front of him. They spent an incredible amount of time, money, energy in these gifts. But there was a gift that they laid before him that I think was bigger than any of these. Let me, let me read this verse again to you. Verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. The greatest thing they laid at Jesus' feet was not gold, was not frankincense, and was not myrrh. It was themselves. They laid themselves at the feet of Jesus, to worship him, to worship him as king, as priest, and as Messiah. That's the greatest gift that we can give. You see, uh, giving the stuff, when we give stuff, it's, it's a part of our worship, and that's a reflection of how much of ourselves God has. See, a lot of times it can be indifference when we come in and we say, God, here I am, but you can't have anything of me. I'm here, but don't ask me to do anything. True worship is, God, I'm here. And everything I have and all that I am is yours. That's the greatest gift. This worship leads us to what God really wants. And that's real worship. It's what Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4 
that God is seeking worshipers who will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So what's, what's your attitude? I mean, we're gonna find ourselves in there. And I gotta say, sometimes I bounce. Sometimes I'm like, I'm struggling with indifference and God calls me to worship. There are times in my life that I've, I've struggled with the hostility that I've been angry at God. But the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he gently draws us from wherever we are into worship. And I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you that, that no matter where you are, let not just this season, but let the Holy Spirit for all the days of our life draw us into worship so we're willing to come into the presence of God and say, here I am and all that I am and all that I have is yours and I worship you as my king, as my priest, and as my Messiah because it's only through that that we can have salvation that came for all people. So, Preparation's been made. Jesus has done everything necessary. The truth has been spoken. Now the final question is, what are you gonna do with it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for wisdom. I pray that we walk out of here with the wisdom. Give us wisdom. You said if any of us lack it, ask. So we're asking for wisdom to worship. We're asking for wisdom to move from whatever our attitudes or dispositions have been into an attitude or disposition of genuine, authentic worship and spirit and truth. God, we ask you to forgive our attitudes of hostility. God, we ask you to rescue us from indifference. Change our hearts so that we're prepared to worship you with all we have, with all we are, with all we have. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room that does not have a relationship, that has never bowed at the feet of Jesus to say, here I am. I ask you, give them the courage right now, wherever they sit, whatever's going on, whatever trial, whatever success is going on in their life, that God, I pray that you give them the strength and the courage to humble themselves before you and say, Jesus, I need you to be the king of my life. I need you to be the ruler over my life, my Lord, my Savior. I need you to be my Messiah. Forgive me. Make me yours. Bring me into a relationship. If that's you in this room, I pray that you have the courage to speak to one of our prayer team members at the altars after this service because we want to help you in that journey so you're not walking to the throne alone, that you have someone that walks with you. Father, as we leave here today, God, let us leave with an attitude of true worship. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, 
please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.